0: I just can't stress how much the time was because over time we were able to replace our custom integrations, use a single framework, and then we were able to then start repurposing all that admin time to work on observability solutions, to work on security solutions. We were able to implement Splunk Enterprise Security and and really do it right. We were able to... We were able, for example, we were able to bring in Exabeam's Fusion UBA product and get our first valid detection in about three to four weeks. What's normally a six to nine month implementation, we got down to a few weeks. Because we were able to identify the data, transform the data to match Exabeam's preferred format, and and and, and so we were able to send the right data to the right tool in the right format. One thing I want to bring up is, and also expand that to also not only visibility but also risk management. If, for example, you're you're trying to secure your enterprise, you look at recent breaches with Octa, for example, losing a third of the market cap over essentially overnight, spending a million, two million dollars to prevent a breach where you're losing hundreds of million dollars of market cap. It, it seems like a bargain. And, but that's the thing is that's so important is how do you show that value? I think I'll think about also compliance and audit. GDPR is a is a really good example of if you're not paying attention to your data, if you're not managing your data, you can be fined two percent of your gross product gross profits for a year just for, just for just for or
1: one, one breach of GDPR regulations. Welcome to the fine flow podcast. I'm your host Sean McTermott, And today we're gonna to be talking about log management. And with us today is Ed Bailey, long term, uh long it veteran, and uh, has all kinds of opinions on log management. So welcome Ed. Thank you very much, Sean. I really appreciate it. Thank, thank you for the invitation to be here. Uh, no problem. So let's just jump right into it. Uh, I, as you said, when we were talking earlier, you could talk about this all day, but we've got about 30 minutes. So let's just jump right in. So uh, the big question I have for you, right, is log management's been around for a long time, right? And um, I, I read one of your blog posts and you talked about you know um, syslogging and cron jobs and everything like that. And that brings back all kinds of bad memories of you know my earlier career. And then Splunk comes along and basically uh, kind of changes the whole game. And now they're a multi billion dollar company. So there's at least one 800 pound grill in the market. So, what is the problem that you see today in log streaming? Happy to talk about it. The problem
0: in log streaming is the growth in data volume, growth in data complexity, and demand for the business are, are, are like nothing I've ever seen before. When I first got started in major enterprise logging about 15 years ago, a terabyte a day was a lot of data. You're using maybe one tool, had limited analytics. You bring in Splunk, and then you're all of a sudden you're able to take advantage of that data. But still, the growth and the, the amount of data was fairly limited. but once you fast forward into 2015, 2016 seeing just seeing astronomical growth in data it's very typical to see 40 45 percent year-over-year growth in your data. And so you're now funding the servers, the storage, the compute in order to manage this data. And now you have your business is also saying, hey, by the way, we wanna bring in security tools. We wanna bring in multiple security tools that are using the same data. You're also now having applications. Every application is gonna typically have a different different type of log, a different format of log, and it's it's just growing. Data is coming from everywhere. And then then the then the, the trick is how do you get value from this data? So how do you collect it? How do you manage it? How do you get value from it? And typically because of the growth in data, You're you're seeing your your, your Elastic and your Slunk teams, they're they're barely keeping their head above water, just getting data to the tools. So getting value from it, being able to manage it, being able to manage just just retention requirements alone are are secondary considerations. And now you have the business saying, we're spending a lot of money. What kind of value are we getting from this data? And those are the kind of things that I was seeing in 2015, 2016 when I was a union. And that's and that's where we started. We had we started looking for solutions. How do we get a hold of this data? How do we shorten the amount of time that we're spending on managing the nuts and bolts of data movement so we can get to analytics? Because at the end of the day, that's where it, that's where you get value. That's, you know, turning that data into knowledge is, is where you get value. But you can't get there unless you master everything else.
1: Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. You know, it, it's yeah. you 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 hit on something that I think is so key. And I hear this so often that you know deriving value right and one of the things that i uh, have have talked to many many customers about over the last few years you know spunk implementations are getting pretty expensive right uh they, they charge based on consumption of data as you said data is growing 40 50 percent a year after you know geez after three years you're paying you know two and a half times what you initial buy was and a lot of executives are are asking themselves, why are we paying? What's the value we're getting out of this? Backlit. And what I what I noticed too, is that a lot of these, these log initiatives are really staying kind of inside of the operations center at the lowest level, kind of the engineering remediation teams. And there's so much valuable data in there that if they were able to bring that data up, bring more analytics at the executive level, I think executives would be asking that question a lot less, right? But they're looking at it like, man, we're spending a lot of money on this. The engineers are saying, we're spending a lot of money on it. Let's move to another platform like Elastic or something like that. But that's just kind of kicking the can down the road. So I think that we've got really, you bring up two really good points. One is there's got to be a better way, a more efficient, more cost-effective way of gathering the log data and managing it because that's a huge expense. Uh, especially in companies that are regulatory, right? Because then you're, you know, every data source now has to be saved for X amount of time. Um, and then there's got to be a better way for us to get value derived to the executive team. Because if an executive is sitting there and saying, look, we're spending a million dollars on log streaming, that's a lot of money to my budget, But then they go into their office and they have complete visibility to all their different business units and how they're performing. And they can pick up the the phone and call the president of every single business unit and tell them exactly what's happening or get a call from that president and tell them exactly what's happening. He may say that's worth a million dollars. Exactly. One thing I want to bring up is
0: and also expand that to also not only visibility but also risk management. If for example you're you're trying to secure your enterprise, you look at recent breaches with Okta, for example, losing a third of the market cap over essentially overnight, spending a million, two million dollars to prevent a breach where you're losing hundreds of million dollars of market cap, it, it seems like a bargain. And, but that's the thing is that's so important is how do you show that value. think I'll think about also compliance and audit. GDPR is a, is a really good example of if you're not paying attention to your data, if you're not managing your data, you can be fined two percent of your gross product gross profits for a year just for, just, for, just for or one, one breach of GDPR regulations. And so there's managing that data has real value. But you have to have your arms around it. You have to be able to show that value, and that's where that analytics component is so important. But the hard part is, how do you get there? And that, and that's where I'd lo- love to go into detail there.
1: Yeah, you bring up so many good points, and I think that that risk management uh, to the bottom line and to your share price. You know, I I sold one of my companies to BMC back in the day, and had the chance to st- spend some time there at a, at executive level and I learned all about earnings per share and the importance of that in board meetings. And, you know, I sat in a couple of board meetings. Um, yeah. I mean, they'll, if, if you basically say, look, you know, we've got to spend this money to, to ensure that, you know, our, our stock doesn't go down by, you know, 3%, 5%, you know, 30, uh, you know, a third of market cap is, is, you know, that's, devastating, that's catastrophic. No. Right. No. But, um, that's such a key thing. So there's many use cases here is kind of what we're talking about. And, uh, my my comment before we move on is just that I think that generally companies they're not using this data enough right and, uh, but there still is this management issue of how to consume it, how to control it, how to manage it and let's get into that so so what are the major challenges you see to current log management and demands of the team? Well, and and so first off, from a tooling standpoint, the major vendors are not
0: incentivized to to make it easy to manage your data, to to have less data, to be able to give you flexibility. They are basing their entire business case on more data, more searching. Even, for example, with Splunk's SVC pricing, they're saying okay we're, we're not going to charge you based on ingest but we're going to charge you about how you use it and to me that goes right into the value prop of the data is that if i'm going to be charged by how i use it that still that still doesn't incentivize me to take full advantage of the data you, because you need to be able to analyze it and also i think from one of the big challenges is and i increasingly see this is Teams want to use different tools. I see security teams routinely want to have a SIM like a Splunk Enterprise Security. They want to use an Exabeam as the UBA, and they want to be able to use Snowflake as a way to do analysis, uh, threat hunt, and and, ta- and tasks like that. And so the, the existing tooling just doesn't make this easy to do. And so you're either, you have two choices. You're either going to have to pay a goodly number of developers a significant salary to hand-build all this for you, or you're going to have to buy something like a crippled stream in order to give you the automation capabilities to manage your data in, in, a, in, a, in a straightforward manner. And it's just, it's all about time. And this is where going back to what I mentioned about 2015, 2016, is I got really frustrated. And I said, we have to break the wheel of what we're doing. We need to invest in different ways of managing our data. So my team started going down the rabbit hole of, you know, how do we use Kafka? How do we use different routing tools? How do we try to uh, try to write custom code into Splunk? And the the thing that came that is immediately apparent was we were spending even more time on building integrations. Every integration, for example, we would allocate two weeks in order to build the integration, but then we do the next integration. So I'd have to allocate a certain amount of time to support the first integration, 20 integrations in my entire capacity of the team was gone. Because we not we not only do we have to build new integrations, but we have to support the old integrations. And so I quickly this like this this is just not gonna work. And that's where we started looking and, and we started we just completely stumbled into something called cripple stream, where you had that ability to visually manage your data, visually control your data, and and, and also do it all in one tool. And so instead of having to use Apache NiFi, having to use Kafka, having to use various syslog servers, having to use Splunk Heavy Forwarders. We were able to replace all of that with one framework. And it, tra- it transformed what we were able to do from so, from so many aspects. So give, just to give you one example, we didn't have to build custom integrations anymore. So we were able to use an existing framework, write a little bit of code, and we were, a- we were able to start, is we were able to take that two week sprint for every integration down to a few hours. So typically I found three to four, so two weeks went to three to four hours for every integration. And from a support standpoint, we use the vendor to maintain that. And so that in the, the time and the capability was, 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 the, was the, the focus for me. Another big issue for us was retention, had enormous retention timelines. I had certain types of data that we had to maintain for seven years. We had one type of data that we had to maintain for the life of the payer plus seven years. So essentially infinite. So how do we pick out the right bits of data? How do we put that data into cheap storage? How do we separate it for all these audit requirements? And so, and that was and that was another, from a risk management standpoint, was it was, was an even bigger deal. And so having, cap- having so capabilities- those were,
1: regulatory, those were regulatory demands on you for keeping the data? Yes.
0: Yeah, so PHI, yeah. so PHI, HIPAA, PII, SOX, GDPR was another big issue. So I had three lawyers who just wanted to tell me about all about GDPR and that's all they wanted to talk about. We'd have to meet and have to go. How do we depersonalize this data so that we could use the data, re- use the data reliably and not get fined? And so we'd have these meetings. And how do we detect this data? So, for one example, there was a business unit that was doing business with Europe and America. The, think of this GDPR data as almost a contagion. If it's coming in the same stream of data with your non-GDPR data, you have to treat it all as if it's GDPR in scope. So that means you have to limit it. You have to give the ability to delete it, all these different things. So one of the things we did is we used Cripple Stream to tag and identify data that was GDPR compliant to, to, to separate it from the stream and put it into a GDPR instance of Splunk. And so that's an example of how we were able to limit our risk and manage our risk by putting this, re- putting this subset of data over where it needed to be, and then we could treat the rest of the data as if it was just typical corporate data. Very, very and so interesting. The, it, yeah, and the, the time, I just can't stress how much the time was because over time, we were able to replace our custom integrations, use a single framework, and then we were able to then start repurposing all that admin time, to work on observability solutions, to work on security solutions. We were able to implement Splunk Enterprise Security and, and really do it right. We were able to, we were able, for example, we were able to bring in Exabeam's Fusion UBA product and get our first valid detection in about three to four weeks. What's normally a six to nine month implementation, we got down to a few weeks because we were able to identify the data, transform the data to match Exabeam's preferred format. And, 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 and so we were able to send the right data to the right tool in the right format and just that ability to manage your data at such at such a level opened up a, a huge new capabilities for for the different teams.
1: Does that make sense in terms of that that, that value of that flexibility? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So, um, so as far as ultimately optimization, you know, you say uh, optimization of analytics, how did that really play out in the sense of Were you able to, you know, going back to our conversation earlier, were you able to, by the way, I love this. I love all the examples. This is awesome. Um, You know, not talking in in hyperbole, right? We're talking about real life things that you do. Oh, yeah, real stuff. So um, were you able to uh, heighten analytics up to a higher level of management so that they could get visibility into what's going on? Uh, Or was it really still highly optimizing your, your operations team. Well,
0: so highly oper- highly optimizing the operations teams freed up the time to then work on the analytics. So mm-hmm. I was able to break away two of my best engineers to work on an observability solution that gave remarkable insights because for the very first time we're not tracking our, so our core applications by say, okay, you have three alert messages in one minute, it must be a ticket. We were able to then start measuring behavior. And so that measuring that behavior required highly optimized data, required machine learning, required service-based scoring. So very time-consuming very time consuming to get this working. But once we got it working, the value was really, really interesting because we were able to, to start predicting when we were going to have an outage. So, for example, we had a, a change to a Java application server. Because we were profiling the memory utilization, we were able to see that the heap was not being released. And instead, it was growing over time. So we were able to alert the app teams before it failed, before it ran out of memory, that something weird was happening because you had just done a change and, 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 be, and be able to do something about it proactively. And that ability to start seeing flutters in the system by seeing behavior changes, very powerful, but we've never would have been able to do it if we hadn't been able to free of resources because we were able to get data collection under control.
1: Gotcha. So, so that, so how did you make the case? Walk me through the process in which you made the case to your management team to buy Cribble, right? Because ultimately well, yeah, that was everything a, you say is yeah. great, right? But then True. you, you got to put it into a spreadsheet, right? At some point, right.
0: well, it, it, and that's where so there's hard costs and soft costs, and so where the people that I was working with, they were only going to necessarily recognize the hard cost, and so being able to knock down our forty to forty-five percent splunk growth to ten to fifteen percent is what made what what made the core case because that's that's a seven-figure savings right there. And seven figures and growing, you know, every year as you, as you go over three years. And so we were able to make that, that case immediately, but due, due to slowing down our growth. And that's the one thing I want to make, make real point is you rarely, and I, this is something I give sales people a hard time when they say, Hey, you know, we're going to cut your Splunk license. We're going to cut your budget. Like, no, actually you won't. You're going to slow it down because we're, we're never not going to log less. But we can log better data, we can slow our growth, we can manage it over time. Because, for example, my, the goal that our, our CIO gave us was 10% over Kager. I was able to get to about 12% over Kager in a very difficult environment. I would imagine, so our, our volume growth at that time was about 50 to 60% growth of, of transactions year over year. So I, the point I had to make was, is like, you want me to maintain my, my cost growth at 10% when the, the thing that's growing all of our logs, which is our transactions, is growing at 50 and 60%. And so that's the, that's the trick where we're, we're able to get the same quality data, statistically significant, yet maintain our logging at a reasonable rate. And so that, that was a very powerful business case to make. For example, we 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 had, had previously in previous years, we had run out of license mid year because we were growing so fast we we hadn't estimated enough money for it. And so when I have to go to the CIO and say, hey, you know, by the way, I need more money to, for licensing, so I can say, Hey, we're gonna stop doing that. We're not gonna ask you for mid-year for a mid-year expansion. We're not gonna ask for mid-year storage. We're gonna be able to fit within our budget and meet your cost growth goals of, of 10% Kager. And so that, that was the fundamental business case. Now, the soft costs that we were able to reveal over time, to me, were just as important. The staffing element, where we could get more done, where we could also be more transformative. Like for example, being able to bring in Exabeam and get it, get it going in three to four weeks versus six to nine months. That's in most businesses, that value is hard to measure, but people recognize it when they see it.
1: Does that does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I think that, yeah. you know, one of the things I was going to ask you, right, was, you know, because you, you said this in your blog post that I read, you know, your job is to really help, you know, make working life better and save organizational costs and empower engineers. And you gave every example of doing that, right? Because in the end, you know, engineers don't want to sit around Basically, you know, supporting a bunch of integrations. You know, that's not exciting. Engineers want to build, they want to create, they want to, they want to solve problems, and uh, this really frees it up. and I, And I think you hit on something that is a really prime example of you know my career because you know I've been you know I built a, an automation platform back in the day and I sold it to BMC. So you know, automation is kind of in my blood, right? And it's part of my DNA. And here at Windward, we we do a lot of work around IT automation, and the question I always got was, "Hey, am I going to like be able to re- reduce staff?" You know, and I'm like, "It just doesn't work that way, right? Um, you you don't end up reducing staff, right?" And people who are sitting here worried about getting fired from the jobs are just worried about the wrong things, right? They should be worried about, you know, where do I go with my career? How do I get more skills? How do we become more valuable to the organization? You know, how do I solve more complex problems and you you kind of hit it right on the head, and that is, you're not necessarily you know cutting splunk costs. You're you're reducing the growth rate, right? And you're flattening that growth rate, and that allows engineers to to start moving into other places and doing more innovative things, and really creating much more value to the organization than they than they would have otherwise.
0: Very much. So one
1: point I want to make,
0: in addition, and this was this took some time to figure out, but having a, a framework where you can make the decisions about how you manage your data, where you put your data, the format you put your data in, it's something that hit me. That idea of choice and control. Too often, engineers are constrained. Think about your engineering life. If you're, it's all about constraints. Of how much time do I have? How much? How much? How how much budget do I have? What tools do I have? What will my vendor allow me to do? And taking that away in a a, a flexible framework that says, I can put data to the tool I want to put it to. I can put data to the storage I want to put it to. I can delegate access so someone else can do this work. That enables a certain choice and control that I found, at least with my engineering team and the the engineers that I talk to, it's, it's very empowering to be able to make your own choices you make the choices that are best for your team and your business and not your vendor and too often that's why i find in the, in this business that you have to do is you're you're looking at a you're looking at okay what is my what is my logging vendors ecosystem support instead of i want to do what i need to do i want i want to have splunk and exabeam working together and, and, and where where they're normally that's cat mating cats and dogs and so it just it it just that that empowerment level for engineers is extremely powerful. And I found that like my team responded to it. They loved being able to be creative. They loved being able to get things done quickly and get rid of the toil so they could do something interesting. Like we're talking about dri- driving real business value.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I, you know, everything you're saying is resonating. I'm working with a client right now that is really kind of stuck, right? They're stuck because they've got a number of, they got tons of tools as most large enterprises do. Yep. And you know, they've got all kinds of vendor lock-in, right? And yep. not only vendor lock in, outsourcer lock-in, and they're really kind of stuck of like how do we provide a better capability to our stakeholders when we've got, you know, really the control is with other other people outside their organization. Exactly. And yep. to be able to bring that and this is kind of what we're working with them on, it's like, okay, how do we bring this back in? you know, build a more flexible, you know, what we call service reliability platform that brings in and adds flexibility and puts the control back in front, back in their hands so that all they need to do is just take feeds in and then they can move that data around. They can put it into different servers and storage into different automation workflows and things like that. So, yeah, you're uh, you're singing my song. So I love it.
0: Yeah, and engineers love it too. That's just that ability to make your own decisions. I mean, because too often it's just not your decision, it's someone else's.
1: Yeah. So so where do we go? Like what do you think the, what do you think log management's gonna look like in the next three to five years? Well, I think
0: from it, so it's gonna have to keep scaling. It's gonna have to keep growing. Another thing that personally I'm a bit really focused on is making it easier. These these too many of these tasks are still too hard. How do we make it easier? How do we make it more approachable? I'm really proud to work with some of the, some of the user experience people at Cribble about, about cutting down the number of check boxes you have to do in order to accomplish a, a, a task. And this is something I hope for the whole industry where the, where the entire industry is looking at common standards and working together and integration. Unfortunately, I don't see that happening because I mean, vendors are going to be vendors and when, when lock in as part of your retention strategy, that a lot of these things we hope are just aren't going to be there. But I just, i we keep pushing, but, but personally, always talking about standards, making this easier and giving people choices. Yeah. I think also driving toward better data analytics is really important. I think we have need our engineers to understand data better, just k- still keep driving value because you, you got to turn that data into nuggets of something. And so, I, and then that's, and that's where, you know, how do we get there is, is the key. And so I just keep pressing forward and keep working together. I think is going to, going to be the way toward the future.
1: Does that make sense? yeah yeah it does Mm -hmm. so let's let's talk a little bit about uh you and i were having a conversation prior to this this podcast um about application logging right and i know uh coming out with something it came out with something you guys guys have an open source project that sounds really interesting um about how to you know one of the big problems that we talked about right is in order to get ahead of this, you've got to be able to instrument applications at the source, meaning right. the developers have to understand how to instrument and how to make their their applications operational. And unfortunately, you know, and this has been going on since the beginning of time in my career. Yes. Um, engineers like to build stuff. Application True. developers like to build stuff, throw it over the wall. And operations right. takes it over, and they're not truly—they're not well instrumented. So you either have to—not um, either or—I think it's both, right? You have to build a, a a capability in which operations is part of the application development, you know, life cycle, right. and they're they're consulting with the application developers on how to instrument and what they can do and what they what they need, and building more modern capabilities to support applications that may be getting more complex. But that doesn't always happen. Right. So, what is the project that Cribble's uh, working on right now to try and help you know, alleviate that problem?
0: It is called Cribble AppScope. It is an open source project, and it is I, it is neat. I, it is something that I wish I had had ten years ago. It, it is a library that you can, it essentially slides under your application server. So it's between the kernel and your application server. It's, ex, it's accepting all the syscalls, and it's giving you the ability to translate what the application is doing into very high quality logging. And it's um, quite amazing, especially for binaries. Like people write Go or C++. I had to use this one time with a C++ application that was lost to the wind of how, because it didn't log anything and the guy who built it was long gone. And I was able to use AppScope to understand why the C++ application was not working. So you could see in the AppScope logging, for example, that it was making incomplete DNS calls. And so, but of course, there was no error message in sight of you know I, I can't I can't look up DNS. And we fixed this DNS and it fixed this problem. But we only saw it because AppScope was 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 at the at the kernel layer, seeing the syscalls and seeing what was happening so it's it's a think of it as easy instrumentation to get better data it's really amazing with tomcat for example one of the one of the big issues like with tomcat especially when you're doing an api query in a tomcat is to see the actual post you imagine the, with your sre background that you you're you have a client who's sending an incorrect api call into a tomcat server but unless you can see how tomcat's seeing it it's very difficult to troubleshoot And half the time developers don't write the logging that you can turn on so you can see the actual post command but with appscope you can see exactly what's coming on you see the formatting you can see that maybe there's a lack of a space where there needs to be a space or there it's not formatted correctly or there's an incorrect for example there's some sort of authentication token so you get an enormous visibility and also then the flexibility to ship that data anywhere so of course AppScope is going to work out of the, out of the box with common tools like a Splunk like a DataDog also with CrippleStream, Stream so that you can then get that data where you need it and it's it's highly detailed it's and, and it just provides enormous enormously good information also has a very good feed for metrics that's another problem developers typically don't understand how to instrument like a Tomcat for for metrics this does it out of the box it gives you really nice metrics metrics for common app servers it's a, it's a great tool for, for producing data where, where, where you don't ordinarily have data.
1: That's interesting. It reminds me, when I, when I started WinWord in uh, 1997, one of my very first partners ever was a company called Sistar, and uh, they made performance management software and it was all agent-based. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, they were out of France, and I was the only right. guy in the United States that knew how to install it. My brother was a sales rep there, and he was one of the first sales reps, and I was the only guy in the United States that could install this software. You know, at sure. 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm sitting in some kind of data center, you know, trying to install this software, and all the error logs are in French, and I'm on the phone with help desk in France. Um, so they, they really had a hard time breaking into the U.S., and, and I think they're owned by Axway now. I'm not entirely sure, but they, were, they had some really cool technology where their agent ran at the kernel level. And they were able to get some really, really amazing data out of that, and it was very mm-hmm. unique back in the day. You know, uh, compared, you know, with you know BMC's Patrol and modules right. and these really fat agents that you then would actively you know, you install the agent, and then you had to install a module for every single application that you're running on there. And this just sat at the kernel level, just sucked in all this data and all these (laughs) calls. Um, And so it was ahead of its time, maybe. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, uh, yeah, it brings back a lot of memories on that. So, well, this has been awesome. This this has been a very fun conversation for me. Uh, Anything else you want to say before we sign off?
0: I Think this is the biggest thing to reiterating, it's important for me to just like help engineers and architects get choice and control over their environment, help empower them to deliver better results. And I, I think that's just it's it's it, personally it's just so satisfying to see engineers get to that point where they're in control and they can they can just get, get less work get more work done with a lot less effort. And I, I mean it sounds kind of markety, but it's the truth. And so, it just it's personally satisfying. Remember that blog post you're mentioning that I wrote. That just it's it's important. It's it's why I
1: came to Cribble. Excellent. Well, we will uh, we will put that blog post in the show notes. So there, he wrote a blog post called "Introducing Cribble Developer Evangelist Ed Bailey." So we'll have that in there. We'll put your LinkedIn uh, profile in there if anybody wants to get a hold of you and talk to you. Uh, this was great, and uh, I appreciate all the yeah you know, war stories, right? Because Sometimes we talk a lot in hypotheticals, but like hearing what you did uh, and and the real life outcomes and impacts is is always great. So Ed, thanks a lot for coming on, and I uh, appreciate it. This is amazing. Thank you for a great
0: conversation. I really appreciate it. All right, take care.